Welcome to No Room for Phonies. I'm back with uh, another podcast with my husband, Charles. Hello again. And uh, today we're going to talk about 10 blessings from uh, each of our pasts, the top 10 blessings from our past. Um, But before we get into that, uh, we're both going to talk about the cocktail of the month because it is a cilantro mojitos. Yeah. Don't try it. So <laughs> not a good this idea. week we'll try like a regular mojito like we always make, but I would not recommend putting cilantro and in we like mojito. cilantro. We love cilantro, but it did not go in that mojito. So anyway, you can try it if you want, but I don't I don't think you'll like it. Uh, for me, the book of the month and you um, I think uh, started listening to this one too. The Dick Van Dyke, Keep Moving. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Other Truths About Living Well Longer. Um, the book was recommended by my friend uh, Colleen, our, our friend Colleen. And I actually listened to it on Audible. But uh, it was a lot of fun. He's turning 96 in December 2021. Unbelievable. And his recommendation is just keep moving. So adapt to the physical and social changes, deal with the loss of friends and loved ones, stay current, fall or stay in love, and treat every day like there is no tomorrow. So that's wow. his basic philosophy. And when we do HASFIT, um, <clears throat> our training thing, the guy always says, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter if you're doing what we're doing or reaching as high or whatever, just keep moving. And he says that. They say that a lot. It's a couple. A lot. Yeah. So and that uh, if you're moving, you're doing more than people who are sitting on the couch thinking about moving. Yes, that's what he says. <laughs> well, you're lapping everybody on the couch. And for podcast of the month, uh, there's a podcast called Nice White Parents, and it's a five-part series reported and hosted by Chana Chafe Walt, which I'm not sure I'm saying that right. And it's inside one public school to expose what's wrong with the system and how it got that way. Um, And it is true. Like, I listened to all five parts at once. And it's basically about um, systematic racism in schools. So it's it's really a really good podcast. And then um, I'm adding something new to the website almost every day. And if you're looking for a book to read, I've listed all the books that I've read since the start of 2021, which wow. is about 30, 35, <laughs> something like that. And I've added a section on gardens and gardening, just because gardening season has started. And I've also added a lot of really, really, really simple sewing ideas for like gifts and things like it's on my little friend's two-year birthday today, and I made him pillow covers for his first ever pillow. And they're so simple. Like, basically, it's one seam around the yeah, outside. Yeah, but it's a brilliant construction because there's no zippers. No zippers, just like a almost like a box top fold on the mm-hmm. pillow. And then uh, his little sister was born, I think, about two weeks ago, right? And uh, so her name is Charlotte. So a long time ago, I had made him puffy letters a to z and then and then his name and dad and mom so i yesterday i made charlotte and so all those things and how to do them also how to make a simple mask if you're interested in sewing your own mask um so there's a lot of fun things and that doesn't even include the recipes and mm-hmm. all the quilting ideas and knitting and crocheting and all that sort of stuff that are included yeah, since in the lot well. since the last podcast episode there's a lot more posts yeah. on your well, blog. Well, I do about, I try to do one a day or one every other day of something yeah. creative that I've done through awesome. the day. So um, the 10 blessings from our pasts. So, I mean, I think both of us, all of us, every one of us in the whole wide world can look back at our past um, critically and there are definite things that have happened in our pasts that are not great or good or whatever. But um, I think as well that um, I wanted to look back at my past from a more uh, from a more positive view and see what things that I took from it that have actually made me a better person. So um, 
I could talk, I could tell the stories of my past and the some of the really bad things that happened, but... I'm just thinking of our first date. And one of the reasons why I fell in love with Pam is because she was open and honest and right away opened up about her past, as did I. And what was supposed to be a three-hour picnic lunch became a 14-hour marathon of talking about our past. And I don't think it was all just the negative, but it was just that honest look at the past. Um, Well, and and I think you have to get... We were just um, listening to a a Udemy lecture on um, truth and looking at yourself. You know, a lot of people seek happiness... And and but really, what we should be seeking is truth and purpose. So, and and not living in the past or letting its claws kind of dig in, but in a negative way, right? right. And that's no, why I just thought it's that, like building on the building blocks of the positives of the past. Like I think that is why some people who have these horrible, 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 horrible pasts, some people recover and are to greatness. Yeah. Because they they glean they take the good from their past and they make it into the, their resilience or their whatever to yep. to build them on. Because you think of, you know, some people who have achieved uh, greatness in the world um, by the world standards by status standards, which I don't whatever. always. But also on uh, humanitarian. Yes, and, all their and those other kinds of things too. have had have come from terrible existences so i thought it would just be good to talk about 10 things that i feel were blessings from my past so i i'll start my number 10 is that i learned like hard work and a strong work ethic that you did and so like integrity and emphasis on the quality of your work and doing what needs to be done respectfully following through focus determination dedication a sense of responsibility and fulfilling duties. I mean, teamwork, time management, being on time, showing up and reaching deadlines. I can can pinpoint one of the times that you learned all of this is when you were like eight years old and you had to have a a cucumber crop. Ten, but Ten, whatever. You had a cucumber crop, and so you learned from your parents about farming, but everything had to be done right. Uh, you had time management. You had to deliver the cucumbers on time to yep. the. No, and I got up every morning like at six. I mean, I'm. It, it yeah. sounds like a pretty awful ten-year-old existence, but no, I'm, it's a blessing. No, it's right. Honesty, passion, intelligence, consistency, honest feedback, <laughs> and admitting your mistakes. Like I learned all that from a really, really young age. We always had a lot of chores. Like we had a huge lawn, and we mowed it by hand. So in every, we had, there were four kids and each kid had their section. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as you could almost reach the mower, you were (laughs) mowing your lawn. So, and then also, I mean, I saw my mom involved in like church and camp, like summer camp she directed and community. And she, she really exhibited all that. And my dad was a hardworking Like right from his, he worked on the farm. Then when things fell apart with the farm, he got a job. Like I never, ever, my dad never, ever did not have a job. And really neither did my mom. My mom was always earning money doing something, whether she was sewing or working or whatever she was doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, she did that job where she painted and did uh, work at NCC. Yeah. And I mean, drove bus. And she could have been bitter. I mean, she should have been a teacher. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so that's my number 10. What's your number 10? My number 10 was my birthplace. I, of course, you have no choice in where you're going to be born. But my parents were working in Colombia, South America. And I had the fortune of being born in a second, uh, in a different country than where I am now. Um, it gave me a whole new outlook on life. I'm, I am bicultural, which actually brain science shows that it, it, my brain is wired differently because I speak two languages and have lived in two cultural paradigms. Uh, so it's affected um, my outlook on life, the way I treat people. I have seen and not just brushed past, but uh, been immersed in 
the worst poverty that, well, there, I'm sure there's worse places in the world, but I've, I have seen poverty. I've been close to it. I've been, you know, side by side with a, with very, very poor people working on construction projects. I've, um, I've seen what can, what corruption can do, uh, from at a church level, a political level, um, but I've also seen people that are joyful in the midst of all that tribulation and with the lack that there is, they still find uh, joy and a way to laugh and enjoy music and culture. So my whole experience, I lived 18 years in Colombia, minus a few visits to Canada. And um, I think that that really has been an awesome experience for me. Yeah, and I mean, it It just changes your whole outlook on everybody, right? That you just don't, and you even your job of teaching. Mm-hmm. I know other people have had, like that you work with, have gone and lived in other countries, but it's a totally, it's like you and your friend, like our friends, Frank. Like yeah. he has kind of that same because he grew up in a different country, came here, had to learn English, English, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Like, it's one thing to just go and live and teach in another country. Mm -hmm. I don't even think sometimes you get acclimatized to the country doing that. Not 100%. You have to be there quite a long time. So, I think it's cool. Um, Number nine for me is that I learned to persevere through adversity and how to handle myself in crises or difficult situations. Mm -hmm. My family experienced a lot of... Yeah. crisis and, and I mean, often you had to be the adult because you other, know others were just uh, swirling with yeah and there was a lot of mental health issues there are still a lot of mental health issues in my family and I mean my first one that I remember being like a really huge crisis um, was my um, aunt like dying in Africa as a missionary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. us like all that experience of her coming home in a casket, like it was just very traumatic, traumatic and, you know, trying to, um, so I think for me, I've built some competence in that. And I'm, I think I'm have a little bit, um, I'm passionate. I'm certainly more, I think I've become more passionate. It didn't Im- like for my dad, some of the hard times made him really bitter. Mm-hmm. And so I watched that happen to him and I didn't want that to be the way I I was. And in our family, really, there was no try. You do or you don't. Yeah. Like that was kind of... Um, and I mean, I think that I've boldly adapted to some of the things that have happened to me in my life, even though I don't consider them as hard as what some other people um have had to go through so that's one that was number nine for me adversity and crisis what was number nine for you uh developing well being influenced to develop a passion for reading at a very young age yeah i think that's a huge blessing because um i just feel sad (laughs) when i meet people who just don't read at all and I don't mean, like, audiobooks is totally fine. I don't care the medium that it comes in. But there's just so much information out there just to tease your brain and make you grow as a person or just entertain you. Um, I just think that, you know, thinking of three hours to read a nonfiction book or to read something for professional development and not to feel that that's a waste of a time or a chore, just that it's easy and uh, I don't know, and it's pleasurable, and and that you, you know, you sacrifice other things in order to read, right? Know, right, because spending all that time is a sacrifice from doing other things. Yes, for sure. But I mean, I'm shocked a lot of the times that I am a reader because I never. You didn't have that. I mean, my I had a lot of. Like, I was allowed to read when there was time Mm -hmm. as a kid, but it wasn't a passionate thing that happened in our home, and certainly my siblings did not 
And I mean, I was very privileged because I had the opportunity to spend weekends where I could just read for, as a kid for yeah. 12 hours both days. Like, yeah, I had a few little chores in the morning, but yeah. nothing like what you experienced. No. So it's just, yeah, no, that's good. So number eight for me was the opportunity to be around and teach children of all ages from a very young age. Yeah. Like I taught Sunday school. I think I worked in a Sunday school class from the time I was like 10 or 11 years old. And you were babysitting I babysat 12, right? kids of all ages, sizes and whatever. And so at this point, like I don't, I'm not trying to be braggy about it, but I can pretty much manage any kid oh, yeah. that arrives. <laughs> Big like, Big or small, like, like teenagers little... that are being like just strangers on the street, basically, yeah. that are acting out. You well, can... like the little kid across the street who pointed his Nerf gun at me the other day and I went, really? I don't think so. And he just put it down and walked away because yeah. I don't know. So that, but I just think that that just comes from, you know, I was put in situations like as a, I, rem I babysat for this one family for years and years and years and they went out and their baby was little, like maybe one month old. Wow. And they went out for the evening and I had the baby and the toddler. Okay. And like, you were... I would have been... 15, 14? I couldn't drive. So okay. might have been 14. Mm -hmm. But wow. I had a reputation because, at, like at church, I had a rep reputation because I worked in the nursery. Mm -hmm. I taught Sunday school. I did vacation Bible school. I went... I was a summer camp counselor. You know, all that sort of stuff. So, I mean... I didn't have a lot of choice about choosing my profession. Like I, I didn't have no. the opportunity to go, oh, what do I want to be? But it was like <laughs> Sorry. natural for me to do yes. what I did with kids. So I, I consider that an, an opportunity. I mean, I have a great pension because of it, right? There you go. So anyway, you're number eight. Uh, nine, ten, eight, ten, nine, eight. Okay. Um, I had a, uh, my father really was supportive of my creativity for a man of his generation uh to think of and i have three brothers so i have no sisters and um my father believed uh i think he did believe a little bit about that being able to pursue your passions i mean there was a time when one of my brothers wanted to just be a soccer player and he had an opportunity to join some traveling uh team and i think my dad counseled him out of it because yeah. it was well, like that's not going to be a profession like that's, kids, that's not going to put food on the table that was like our kids being encouraged by their drama and to become vocal actors, teachers yeah, to singers. be you know to become singers and actors and we were just kind of like well this is what this life yeah if looks you choose like. it you know this is what it looks like this is what you're you're facing anyway so but my dad didn't shut down the fact that I wanted to be creative. He didn't make me uh, have to be the athletic type because, you know, other brothers did that kind of thing. Um, so And he wasn't afraid he of your for... creativity being effeminate like yes, your mom was. No, exactly. Like he paid for my music lessons and drove me to them, which was a big deal in mm -hmm. Colombia at the time and an inconvenience. Um, he bought me my first supplies for knitting. He built me a weaving loom. Um, like, he totally backed me up. I, he also said, well, as a career, you're not going to be a knitting designer, but why not do graphic design? Like, so mm -hmm. he was completely backing me to find a practical paying way to, to use my interest. I, I never did become a graphic designer, but... Um, well, you kind of, you did some eventually. Part. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, anyway, so but just having a, a father say that that is that a man can do that and not have to feel uh, attacked for you know back in those days there was no such thing as gender expression. Right. Um, you know, now people would say I gender expressed feminine, which is crazy because how do you attach femininity to a particular well, art because form. someone knits or draws or like that doesn't have to do anything to do with their sexuality no it doesn't no but people still even people in the gender war area still ascribe particular genders to particular behaviors which is odd to me but anyway um 
yeah, but back to the blessing part, the fact that he supported my, my pursuits was, and didn't shut me down. And sometimes against my mom's wishes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, number seven for me was being part of a, like a garden and growing things. Yes. Like I, we had acres of pumpkins. We always had like a farm garden, um, where we, you know, preserved the things that we, um, Harvested. We had yeah. harvested in a big way, like not just like we would can, you know, 50 jars of tomatoes and, yeah. you know, well, and even, your, we even canned it meat, fed your family gross, of, it, but, it fed um, your family of six froze, for the whole winter. Yeah. You know, put, I, so I know how to do all those things. And I, I mean, I know that at one point you really wanted to live like out in the country and on a farm. <laughs> and I was like, no, I did that as a, you know. Um, as a kid and I, 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 like some people grow up on a farm and they just can't think of leaving it. Right. right? And I just, it was fine. And I love our little container gardens in the back. And mm -hmm. but notice all... that we also have not moved to an urban area where we are far away from land or no. from water. Like we have the, the, we have a beautiful walking path. We're close to the lake. Like we have some of the the things and we have, that yeah we've always had a house with a yard or a garden of some kind yes and yeah. our you know like i love the container gardens because if the lettuce all dies it doesn't really matter you just go to the market and buy it but mm -hmm. it is i love fresh herbs and i like having them out in our garden and yeah. i do uh, my favorite thing is obviously perennials and it was really fun last year my mom always had like a beautiful rose garden mm -hmm. and so i actually bought like really nice rose bushes um last year and took care of them and they're back this year so i do i think that's a blessing from my past absolutely so you're number seven um well it's opportunities to learn about technology and computers when i was 14 my best friend bill uh, lived an hour and 20 minutes by three buses in a big urban center in Colombia, in Medellin, um, which at the time was probably a little dangerous to be doing alone as a 14-year-old. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, I would travel one way, hour and 20 minutes to play on his Commodore 64. And it was, yeah, we played a few video games, but then he taught me programming language and we were both always exploring how to program our own games and I learned coding and um, came to Canada th you know three four years later and I got a Commodore 64 and right away started with um, you know basic desktop publishing and but the passion for it has always I wanted to study computer science at one point I didn't have enough math so but Really, if you look at what I do in my job now, teaching online mm. and using you got you established a comfort with that, yeah, and well, and a curiosity just to right. keep going, yeah. I mean, and I mean, I didn't grow up with that at all. I barely got a typewriter when I went to university yeah. so that I could type out type out on an electric <laughs> typewriter essays if you can believe that like M I don't multiple drafts because yeah. of typing. and I mean, in my job, I thought felt that I really always. Oh, you've adapted, never been afraid. adapted to it, but I, I don't have the affinity for it, so it takes me longer to do not certain that much things. Longer. You but, think so, but not really. So anyway, so my number six um, is having the opportunity to learn how to cook and bake and preserve fruit and vegetables. And I, I was a, like my mom was a caterer, so I understand that whole thing, which actually came in handy when I was a principal, and we'd have like we decide to have like a spaghetti dinner or uh, this and I'd go, oh yeah, well for a hundred people you need this much and that much. And because I grew up mm -hmm. like doing that as, as a little kid, I helped my mom and it was all church catering, but that's, well, it's still large groups in of those people days, that need safe weddings, food that nobody gets sick from. Weddings were held. Usually the reception was held in the church basement mm -hmm. and it was catered by the women of the church and mm -hmm. you cook turkeys and, I mean, when I went out um, west, when my nephew was getting married and everybody was, nobody knew how to take a recipe, a 40 pounds it. of hamburger and make meatballs. Like they didn't know how to, how many onion, like 
so and I knew all that because I had done it with my mom my whole mm-hmm. life like from mm-hmm. the time I was a little kid and I was responsible like when my mom went to work full time I was responsible the... for making meals when I got home what happened to your sister why didn't she cook I don't know <laughs> I don't know maybe she was gone she was five years older than me right so yeah. if I was maybe she had her own job maybe she might have I don't remember any of it anymore but I do know that we did I, mean, I did a I'm lot not gonna of bother saying cooking. why wouldn't your why weren't your brothers cooking because no, that but wasn't that done wasn't but. done but um preserving and fruit and vegetables and I mean I like the fact that now that I don't do it because I have to but I mean when I make app, app like it was funny when I went downstairs and realized I didn't have any of this or that and realized that I had canned all this stuff and then given it all away yep so <laughs> But it's fine. It's great. I just it's see no... the jars walking out the door. <laughs> like, so, but, you know, apple pear sauce and all kinds of things that, you know, you just don't, um, you know, whatever. So um, I'm I'm happy for those skills because now I use them like for fun. And the other thing I learned about my mom is she put on really, really good meals, but she also learned like to buy a pie crust and to like she wasn't right like everything didn't have to be like totally 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 like homemade Mm -hmm. but because we raised our own meat we always had really good meat Mm -hmm. and uh i just remember the first time that my sister's first husband came for dinner and my mom had made pork chops and there are a lot on the plate right and well he, your mom would always put a lot of food out and i learned that i've gotten better at whatever <laughs> but my he took three pork chops off the plate right. when it came to him <laughs> one two and my mother just went but there were lots of pork yeah, chops so on the plates it didn't matter but it was just but that was kind of so i'm happy for that for those skills yeah absolutely and i'm happy for them too although <laughs> I mean, I loved cooking ever since I was little too, and, and yeah, so that's no, the one nose thing. around my and my dad modeled that too. So I yeah. mean, I, but I am very glad that for all the other aspects. Yeah. Um. So my next one is as much as I'm uh, pleased or blessed for having been born and raised in Colombia. I'm also was blessed that I was able to come to Canada for my post secondary education and the rest of my life. I have not been back to Colombia. But uh, coming to Canada um, just, you know, gave me a whole different set of opportunities, a completely different outlet outlet on life, outlook on life. Um, everybody knows that when you travel to another country, you go through culture culture shock. And if you're away long enough and you come back to your home country, you have re-entry shock. But I had what's called third culture shock because I was no longer a member of Colombian culture and I was no lo- and I was new to Canada and even though I spoke English and should have fit in, I didn't. So that was a hardship, but the growth from that was a complete uh, positive for. Well, and you're so much better at counseling and helping your students. Yeah, it helps me just. And be able to be blunt with them about, yeah, you're in Canada now, so there's certain things that you just have to do. Yeah, you just have to, and you have to, it's not that you're giving up anything of your first culture, you just are uh, taking on a new habit, a new set of habits. Yeah. So my number five is the whole animal thing that, you know, I did horseback riding. Being (laughs) around animals, like I grew up. Um, around like big horses like Clydesdale horses and Mm. ponies and goats and sheep and cows and pigs and chickens and like there's not really an animal I mean a farm Farm animal animal that I haven't you know experienced right and my dad had border collies and they were that's a that's a beautiful dog for a farm it certainly um has solidified sort of my feeling about how animals should be treated because Mm -hmm. my dad was very i mean he had a lot of issues in his life but he was a horse whisperer he knew how to and he he treated his animals 
impeccably always mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there was never any doubt that they were well cared for and i mean he had turkey we had turkeys at one time like there's really not <laughs> no, an animal that we didn't have on our farm at mm-hmm. one point or another and it was a terrible looking barn i i don't know yeah if you i really... saw it when it was yeah. rough before like it, got it was terrible like he never they never had any money my parents so um at one point then they redid the barn anyway it, it but he looked after his animals they were mm-hmm. like yeah well, it, i but when i met you he still had king the clydesdale and right just beautiful beautiful horse and I mean, I think um, my reasonableness and common sense around animals and, you know, the fact that I'm not a vegetarian comes from being part of that culture where you raised animals and you treated them well, but they were animals. Yeah. Like they still were animals. And you got close, you know, you have... You got like, used to naming the lambs yeah. and, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then they were gone. But it just, it was just part of how you, and so this whole drama around, you know, and I I get it and I, and I don't begrudge that to anyone, but that's not how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And I still think that despite um, everything that happens in the world, that we still have a right to balance and moderation in our thinking. And I'm allowed to think that way. And I think that's, well, you know, I've certainly gotten um, that I still think that that's what's wrong in this world, that you can't have a differing opinion and still be collegial and friendly right. and to each other. But that's a whole nother topic. But anyway, my I like the experience with animals. So your next one. Next one. So, well, between the two of us, if you hadn't been able to tell yet, Pam's more of the social extrovert one and I'm more of the introvert one. But... um so even though uh, I've always had friends and have not found it hard to make friends, um, one aspect of uh, Colombian culture is when you begin a friendship, you are friends for life. Um, yeah, even if you move apart, uh, even if you change jobs or schools, you still have a connection. Um, and if they're apart for a while, you pick it back up. And coming to Canada I noticed a distinct shift in that um, uh, friendships are not as permanent uh, or long-lasting because they're based on uh, membership in social circles anyway that's a whole nother research topic I can get into a different time but I'm grateful for having met two uh, guys in my first three years in Canada who eventually became my groomsmen and they are, they have been lifelong friends. I mean, distance and time sometimes affects how much we get together and talk, but I just appreciate the fact that I have been able to have them as as friends in my life. And even though I've tried to make other deep friendships with guys, it seems pretty tough to do so. I think men in general have a hard time becoming mm-hmm. close friends not the friends that talk about sports and cars and no, no, whatever what but the saying. friends the the ones that you're able to be you know open and honest with and open up i think that's that that's a rarity so i'm just glad for for that and that leads into my number 4 which i mean as much as i interacted a lot with children i actually as well interacted a lot with older yes older people cuz i had great grandmothers mhm so which was is a very was very rare then. then but my great grandmother Wright, who was a bot who was on my mother's side um she came and would come and stay with us and you know she was she was tunkered like she wore the bonnet and the, mm, the whatever apron. and the you know the whole thing and then my great grandma winger lived in her own home and that's on your dad's was... side. You had a great grandmother on each side. No, that was my. Your mom's other. Like, Grandma Wright was my mom's real dad's right mother, but then there was my grandmother's your mother. Your maternal grandmother, right? yeah. You know, so my dad's side, not no, so much, no. but so I mean, I just learned how to interact. So I'm not. I never was afraid of older people or 
you know, how to having a, a conversation, conversation or anything like that. So, I mean, I think that, and I, you know, I, old folks homes, like being in your, like in the old folks home when your mom was in there, mm-hmm. like in the, it never bothered me or right. like interacting like that. So mm-hmm. I, I find that a blessing. I learned that from a very young age, what it was like to, well, and just to be just able to, to have, put up with their in- idiosyncrasies. But you could have conversations with adults of any age older than you yes. and they enjoyed engaging with you. Yes. Right? Yeah. Rather than that, you know, all that annoying. And my kid. grandmother lived down the street, right? right. So, and she was very, um, like, ill all her life. So she actually wore out the corner of the couch sitting on it. Mm. Like, she never, hardly ever moved. Mm. So you could just go and sit there beside her. Yeah. And she watched terrible things, like, <laughs> on TV, but whatever. Like, but you could, she, and she would talk to you and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. Like, yeah. she really did care, but she just didn't move. Mm-hmm. So it was wow. just, and very different, like... And my grandfather was very stubborn and old and, mm-hmm. you know, he, my father always said, if I ever become like my dad, whatever. And then he did. Yeah. He just, he couldn't see the truth, right? Mm-hmm. For what it was. But anyway, that's, I consider that a blessing. So. All right. So next Number for four. me, well, you said that you didn't really have not many options as far as careers or whatever. Um, and. I basically fell into my <laughs> into my career of, of being an English teacher. Like I said, I wanted to be a graphic designer, but when we came to Canada, all of my art portfolio didn't come with us. Uh, so I had nothing to show at the university to get in and uh, didn't want to take a year to create a portfolio. Um, so I kind of walked around the university gymnasium looking for something to do, and I saw teaching English as a second language. And I thought, well, I've been doing that since I was eight years old, teaching my friends English and coming up with, you know, dictionaries and phonetic alphabets. And I kind of devised my own way of teaching English as a kid to my friends. So I just, that's what I did, signed up. So, and then as they say, the rest is history. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, and if you hadn't had those experiences from your past, you would never have even probably looked at that. No. No. So my number three is like church. I had a huge involvement in church, but I think um, it really has helped me to solidify in my mind sort of the difference between like religiosity and and a spiritual journey. So like the I never really conformed much to the rules of um, religion. I always no. found them very silly, to be honest. And um, I didn't like the fear-based. And I don't know if you wrote it down, but the mistreatment of women. Yeah, I didn't. Um, Religion always seemed to me to separate things Mm -hmm. rather than unite. And um, punishment was a whole big part of it. If you didn't live a certain way, you were punished. And you couldn't seek your own enlightenment you had to follow you couldn't ask questions no, no. questions were at least in our fun my fundamentalist background yeah. and um i i didn't like the publicness of something some aspects of religion where you got up and touted your religiosity to everyone because i always Another felt that religion building. yeah i always felt that spirituality is private and I didn't want to believe in someone else's experience. I wanted to have my own. And I didn't enjoy... or The only part of um, organized religion that I really did enjoy was the music part. But right. it still had underlying issues with it. And, you know, I just felt that, you know, you it, it's obvious. You say you practice religion. Well, mm-hmm. you never say that you practice spirituality. No. So I think if I hadn't grown up in that environment and been the personality that I am, like the more open-minded personality that I am, I might still be stuck there. Cause, and I'm not saying like for some people it's the be all. And like, Mm -hmm. I have friends that are very like practice their religion. Very also very thoughtful and open-minded, open-minded, amazing, incredible people. 
but they are open-minded and incredible enough to accept that that's not my journey. Right. Whereas a lot of relig- people that are immersed in religiosity, mm-hmm. like for them, for some people, I think practicing their <clears throat> religion is part of their spiritual journey. But I've seen it both, both sides of yeah, it. Seen so, both sides so that's... I feel that's a blessing from my past that I was able to kind of... I don't of... have that on my list, but I would agree. Plus, yeah. we met at a church. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing... There. I don't want to say that it was a horrible, horrible thing. I learned things. I was exposed to things. But it really opened my eyes to how narrow-minded some people can be mm-hmm. and how terrible it is to live with that much fear. Yes. All right. So that kind of leads a little bit into my... Uh, eighth one or top three whichever three. it's number three in. but yeah. it doesn't matter um the books that we read on our honeymoon which people are going to say that's weird you read yeah. on your honeymoon yeah. <laughs> yeah. and our first years of marriage yeah those books were explored spirituality and relationships and marriage in a very deep and profound way that i think really impacted who we became as a couple and how we've grown and matured and <clears throat> and changed i think so um i'm glad that we that well that you are a reader that i'm a reader and that we had those books i think uh a lot of people go into commitments of some kind or another without much forethought and mm-hmm. um without kind of having a heads up on what where they're what the journey is going to take them on so i just think it gave us a whole bunch of tools to, yeah i would agree with and that. then in the first five years we both lost a parent we you know bought a house we had two kids i gave up you gave up your job yep. for four years i gave up my job for four years so there so. were a lot of um big changes and yeah. we were more I we, were, we prepared, were more prepared I think. for that for sure um and I think that is um, a thing about like now people go into marriage usually after having lived together for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they sometimes people make the best use of that time when they're living together before they're married is to like really actually choose to learn things yeah. together and grow together so that you end up staying together rather mm-hmm. than okay. all of a sudden okay now there's some kind of document that's making yeah. this forced upon us and they it's like viewed as a trap yeah so i just think that people don't spend enough time like often before you get married married there's some kind of marriage counseling but Mm-hmm. people should be engaged in learning and growing and and learning about each other and growing closer and choosing right i mean I, there are reasons for people to get divorced i i'm not going to even debate that but i think in a lot of cases if there had been a choice made to you know learn to learn certain things together or be a bit more open-minded or whatever that it might but i can't I mean, I can't speak from personal experience. I just know that's what we did. Yeah. My number two is celebrate. Wait, we did not live together, just in case people wanted to. You said that's what no, we did. No, <laughs> no, we didn't live together. That was, it was a different. And we had only an 11 months of dating, so yeah. we, we really crammed it in. But we also have not stopped mm. no, learning about I, each yeah, other exactly. and understanding each other and getting through stuff together and made that as a lifelong commitment like unless somebody did something really bizarre mm-hmm. it would be we'd figure it out yeah uh so number two for me was the joy of celebrating like celebration was huge and also though looking at those celebrations and learning in my own in our own home not to overspend as much as my mom did because mm-hmm. she didn't she just spent 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 and then they figured out how to pay it off whereas i i know that we had times in our life when we didn't have much money and we did spend but not to the degree no, but we still celebrated you know and i you know i've tried to um you know know my spending triggers and tracks i've always tracked spending i don't enjoy um shopping socially like I don't enjoy going with friends shopping that's not a thing for me 
We make most of our food at home. Um, I have a better mindset about reusing and just not discarding stuff. And, um, and saving for treats and trips. Like, you know, there wasn't, there were times when we just couldn't, like we wanted to take our, but we were reasonable about it. We mm -hmm. took our kids to, you know, $50 cottages rather than $500 cottages. Yeah. But, but my mom always planned for celebrations and birthdays and Christmas. And it was always a big deal to her. I mean, you know, it's always kind of a disappointment to me that nobody seems to care in this house, but I continue to do it. I guess I just do it in a more laid back way now than because I've learned not to get all expectation-y about things because then it's just a a disappointment. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. But I did learn <laughs> blessings, about... Blessings, blessings, blessings. I le did learn about celebrating and I watched how difficult it was for my parents after Christmas to recover and so I learned not to fall into that mm. trap, which mm. I know is kind of negative, but it wasn't negative. Yeah. It was, <coughs> pardon me, it was just the way it was. So that was my number two. Well, my number two, like right on paper as I wrote it, was meeting you and growing with you and keeping each other honest. But like it kind of ties into the whole celebrating thing. I <clears throat> I grew up without any joy of celebration for occasions and it was they were all played down which is why i probably bring that to the dynamic that we have yeah. but what you don't realize is that i do well you, i'm sure you realize it i do love celebrating i love but it's it's not at the forefront of my mind so i often need a kick in the butt to kind of step up and join in the preparations and doing stuff like that but i love doing it it's just that I, I was so I can okay that's not the blessing part we're not <laughs> there were so many times that I was disappointed as a kid about a celebration that I turned off that switch right I understand so, so but now, I think now I is... turn it on but it it's it, I I come along for the ride it's not something that you know and I know those are all choices blah 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 yeah. but but anyway that so my number two though is you know I am growing with <clears throat> I am growing with you and um and how we keep each other honest and how we explore you know uh our relationship and relationship with family and figuring out the whole world of expectations and honesty like well all the different layers so and my number one is i certainly learned as from my past to fight for what i believe and understand the importance of boundaries and that realization that really life isn't fair. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I learned that from a really, which doesn't really sound like a blessing, age, but, but it, it is, is a blessing. blessing. Like, I, I mean, um, it is a blessing. Like life is, a, is you're responsible for your own life and what happens in your life. And yeah, mm -hmm. things happen to you. And I know it's pat to say, well, it's all about our reaction, but it is about our, I don't know that it's necessarily about our reactions. We're allowed to have whatever reaction we have. Feelings mm -hmm. are feelings and you feel them right all the way through. But in the end, then you have to make a choice. Am I going to get stuck in this or am I going to make choices that move for move me forward? Mm -hmm. And I think I learned that as a very young age, like my biggest example is like going to university and I was never encouraged to do that. No. So I had to, you know, I set a boundary and said I was doing that. It wasn't fair that I wasn't supported. I mean, sort of, kind of. I was allowed to live at home. I kind of had a car to drive. I worked all, like, there was sort of it. I know. Because of my mom. But there was no celebration of it. No. If anything. No. And when I became a, a principal or a vice principal or any of that stuff, yeah. like, it just, and I know those things are all status, but I wasn't asking for the, it wasn't about the status for me. It was about the um, growing and doing better and mm. Like, I didn't care whether somebody was a principal or a custodian if they no. did their job yeah. with passion. I, I couldn't have no, cared But you less. had a direction to move yeah. in towards. I mean, one of the people that I admired the most in my job is so funny is the, sec the second secretary that I had at Parliament Oak. Mm -hmm. And her name was Lydia. 
And she did her job so passionately. She was like an incredible person. She knew what her her job was to protect and look after me as the principal. Mm -hmm. And she was honest. She said, ooh, did you like, you don't want to say that to that person or whatever. Like she, yeah. we had that relationship. Mm -hmm. And she was, but, and she, if for some people being a secretary isn't much status, but it was she was amazing mm -hmm. and probably one of the people that I admire the most that I worked with. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to say that about custodians. I'm trying to think of any custodian that I had. Yeah, the one at College Street, the woman, she was really good at her job and worked really hard. Yeah. But. Well, you had a, a fun oh. relationship with the guy at Parliament Oak. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and he did clean and he did whatever I wanted him yeah. to. Like he worked really well for me. Because mm -hmm. when I left and the next person came, they said, what's with this guy? And I was like, well, he worked for me. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, so you that's, have your ways. that's my number one. What was your number my one? My number one was having Zachary and Sebastian. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> a cop <laughs> That's not too far in the past. No, it's 25, 23 yeah, years. Yeah, I guess that's past. I went like way back to my childhood. Well, I, I did, but I didn't yeah. stay back there. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. I was trying to like trying to think of something from every five to ten year oh, period. Oh, that's good. So yeah, I, no, I that's very good. Forward. So, so, but I mean, that kind of ties back to like my dad was a stay-at-home dad. Right. So I had that role model. And then when I got to be a stay-at-home dad... Um, I think that was complete. Yeah, I know we made financial sacrifices, yeah. but I still view it as a privilege to who, what it, how it changed me and what it made, how it made me grow. Because there's no way that, well, yeah, I guess there are people that don't grow even though they're stay-at-home parents or whatever, mm -hmm. but definitely no. was an opportunity for growth. Well, and I see that like with my friend who's just had the second baby and, mm -hmm. Like before she had her son, her first child, I think she thought she was just not going to be able to. And now I think she just wishes she could just stay home and just be with her kids. Yeah. And she's a talented, very amazing professional. But mm -hmm. it's just that pull that we get to be with our kids and to just be around them and not give that up to somebody else. That's right. right? Yeah. So. And I know that it's often women that get that, but... Uh, no, I, I think I, I think a lot of dads feel that, but we aren't given that permission to feel it, so we shut it down. But yeah, I chose we chose as a couple that that was going to be before we even had kids. That was yeah, what we were sure. going to do. Well, so, this anyway, has so been a I long didn't go one. as deep as no, you that's okay. This has been a long <laughs> one, but those are um, this is our encouragement to everyone to look at their past uh, with more for the a, blessings with a positive outlook instead of. You know, think, oh, that happened and that happened. But to actually just take a look back and say, this is what I've, this is what has impacted me in a positive way from my past. Mm -hmm. So um, the next one I'm going to do is the top 10 things that need to change about public education. <gasps> you are? Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know what so your topic you might, was. <laughs> you might want to join me for that one, too. It's very, it's going to be very interesting because I'm literally going to go through and finally write down the things and then I'll send them to to uh, what's his name <laughs> Leche. Leche I'll send them I have no problem sending them oh, so I'm anyway I'm looking forward to this alright so um, yeah so that's it for um, No Room for Phonies the top 10 blessings from my past